Many would say that it's literally impossible for parents to keep up with all the latest technical innovations on the internet and hold down a full-time job. In fact, those same people would probably say that even attempting to keep up with it all actually is a full-time job. New apps, new websites, devices, even new languages, new modes of communication, and new types of entertainment are being developed every day. And this includes ways of communicating and sending images that could negatively affect your child's reputation and future success. Realizing that our kids have a lot more disposable time on their hands than we do to explore this strange new world if we let them, we're going to need some help to help them execute a wise digital protocol. And we'll be exploring what all that might look like next on Licensed to Parent. Well, parenting certainly isn't for the faint of heart, and uh, that's why we're here. If this is your first time joining us, Licensed to Parent is the radio outreach of Shepherd's Hill Academy, a year-long Christ-centered residential program for troubled teens. Our host is the founder and director of Shepherd's Hill, Trace Embry, and I'm Rich Rosel. And Trace, I know your position on a lot of this digital stuff is a lot more conservative than most people these days, but, I mean, let's be frank— When we take a good look at Scripture, you're a lot more in line with the moral and spiritual principles that we actually find in the Bible, particularly as it relates to kids. But uh, I think we should also point out, and you say this all the time, you're not a Luddite. You're very much pro-technology. Is that a true statement? Yeah. uh, You know, Rich, it seems like we're living in an age of black and white thinkers, and it's uh, really hard in this politically correct and pampered and fragile generation to to caution people about anything or bring up uh, objections to things that uh, really are legitimate concerns without the tables being turned on you to make you look like you're something you're not. Uh, for example, if you, you know, truly admire someone or something, uh, yet you point out something in that someone or something that people you know, also need to be aware of, instead of being duly cautioned or grateful, uh, too often all that's focused on is, is what, what's taken as negative. Right. Uh, I can say that automobiles and smartphones are the greatest inventions in the history of mankind, but if I w- warn the dangers inherent in these things and, and then offer a wise protocol for, a, say, a child's interaction with these things, then I'm often looked at as if I'm a fearful and extremist Luddite who wants to go back to the horse and buggy days and who needs to trust his kids and quit scaring everyone with these alarmist concerns. But, uh, you know, I think it's important to, to note also that Today's level of technology and communication and amusement is unprecedented, and very few people on the planet are truly in a position to make wise assessments as to the proper protocol uh, for, for its use, particularly with kids. But we here at Shepherd's Hill, you know, we're in the trenches. We have a, a proving ground of sorts, and we've been ahead of the curve on this stuff for a couple of decades now. Uh, what I'm observing is that most people have little bits and pieces of information by which they determine uh, what their child's digital protocol should be. And for many parents, unfortunately, uh, there's really no protocol at all. Uh, but, you know, their understanding is, is just so limited. So for, for you parents determined to, to give your kids access to their smartphones, to their own smartphones, you definitely want to stay tuned today. Yeah, and, and you know, something that we've talked about on past programs is when automobiles first came on the scene, mm-hmm. you know, we had to figure out what are the rules about these. And in fact, people started driving them very slowly, like five miles an hour. Mm-hmm. You know, people thought it was going to uh, kill a bunch of folks. Yeah. But, but a couple of things to remember. First of all, automobiles were very few and very far between. They were expensive. So not right. everybody on the planet had them immediately. Right. right. 
and we got to grow with them and right. learn more about them. With smartphones, this is a technology that came along and is relatively speaking affordable. Right. And so all of a sudden everybody has them and nobody knows the rules to play by. Well, yeah, and the safety precautions took, you know, decades to, to get figured out with, uh, with, with, the with car. cars because sure. the technology was moving at the speed of sound. Back then, today it's moving at the speed of light, and you know it was easy to see that well, someone can get hurt in one of these cars. People aren't readily seeing how people can get hurt yeah. with with the, with digital technology. Psychological hurt is not visible. Spiritual, yeah, yeah emotional. I mean, on and on, right? Right. So anyway, that's where we're at. Well, let me bring today's guest into our conversation. Uh, Josh Oakes is a digital citizenship author with a background in marketing at Disney. And a love for all things technology. Uh, Josh also works to help teens and tweens use social media as a portfolio for positive accomplishments. And, you know, that's something we have not seen much of. We, we often decry the dangers of social media. Mm-hmm. He's trying to take the more positive approach and say, hey, wait. Dangers, yes, but there's some really good stuff you can do here. mission field, for crying out loud. Well, Josh travels the nation speaking to about 30,000 kids each year, sharing with them some tips that they can use to create a positive online presence. And he's written a book on the subject that we're wanting to talk about today called Light, Bright, and Polite for Teens. It teaches kids of all ages that everything they post on social media will eventually be discovered by their parents, their teachers, the school principal, and someday colleges and even employers. He shows families and teenagers uh, some practical examples that they can use to always keep it light, bright, and polite by posting photos of community volunteer projects, for example, that'll help them shine online. So uh, this is a nice uh, a nice positive turn for us here on Licensed to Parent and covering the digital world. Absolutely. Josh, welcome to Licensed to Parent. Hey, thank you so much for having me. Well, Josh, uh, can you give us a little background on what got you focused on doing what you're doing and uh, how you came to write a book on this stuff? Yeah. So many years ago, I started my career at Walt Disney Studios, learning from the smartest marketers how they brand products, right? So they would take these really neat movies that we've all seen, essentially, Finding Nemo, Pirates of the Caribbean, and several other ones. And they would take the, after they come out in theaters, they would brand uh, the DVD or the digital download or whatever you would go buy. And they would make it so that it was super valuable to people in stores. Meaning you would walk down the aisle at Target or Walmart or wherever, and you would want to pick up that product and put it into your cart and then go and exchange money for it. Meaning it was of great value. And I learned how they did that, and fast forward several years, now we teach students that. But in between, I did something kind of interesting. You know, I was advising a lot of companies, and and it was interesting, and I decided to take a risk. And it was a very calculated, positive risk. I said, you know, it would be really interesting to run for city council in this little city I live in, in the suburb of Los Angeles, which now I look back, I go, wow, that was probably not the best thing in the world. But <laughs> I got to run a little campaign. It was a suburb of Los Angeles. I ran against uh, somebody who's now a dear friend of mine. He was the incumbent mayor. And there were, I was the youngest person on the ballot. There were lots of other, I think there were seven total candidates, maybe 10, and I forget. But I ended up losing to the incumbent mayor by 350 votes. I, I got really close. But what I did learn was that how I responded to people, and I used social media a lot in my campaign. Uh, Number one, big brands were watching me and people all over the country were watching me. And number two, even though I lost, I ended up with a really positive reputation 
I was bullied by two of the voters out of the 3,015 that I knocked out of the doors and, and voters that I knocked on. I knocked on more doors than anybody else. And I was bullied by a couple. They didn't want to meet me. And they said, no, we just want to talk badly about you. And, and they felt like it was their right to, you know, to belittle people. And I was, and it really hurt. And I went, sure. hmm, this is, this is not good. But I ended up at the end of the campaign having such a positive reputation that big brands started calling me. Hmm. And I learned at the end of the campaign that it's not really whether you win or lose, it's how you play the game. And I use social media in a positive way to kind of bring people together in a way. And so that launched me as a public speaker, teaching the world's biggest brands as I would fly around the country and say, here's how you can do it on a shoestring budget. This poor kid did it with, with very little money. And, and I ended up being able to show people, you don't have to make it more difficult than it is. It's all about the people. Fast forward now, I travel the country teaching middle school, junior high, and high schoolers how to be positive online while teaching their parents the safety things that they need to know. Awesome. Well, you you talk about being light, bright, and polite. Can you Mm -hmm. flesh that out? Yeah, absolutely. We go to Google with the students. We first ask them, how many of you have searched for yourself online? And most of the room raises their hand. And then how many of you have searched for your parents online? most of the room raise their hand. How many of you have searched for a staff member or a teacher at this school? They start laughing and most of them raise their hand. And then we ask them, great, let's, let's search for a few of you right now, live on stage in front of 500 students Uh-oh. or 1,900 students. <laughs> and they get, they get really weary. Now, this is, you know, this is a faith-based program that we're on right now. And we need to understand we, we, are, not, we are not of, we're in this world, but we're not of this world, right. essentially. We're, we are, and we need to see how, it's not as important how others see us, but it's how really we are behaving essentially. And and that's what we show students is what you're putting online. And as we search for them, you can see everything that they do. Now, one of the misconceptions and one of the scary things is students, they think they can get away with a lot of this stuff because their parents aren't on Snapchat. So Mm -hmm. the first thing we do is we go and we search for students live and they laugh and then they're scared and they go, that is me. Oh my gosh. And it seems to be the thing that switches them into thinking, oh, everything I'm doing matters. Rather than just listening to my mom saying what doesn't matter, this does matter. So step one is to teach your kids how to search for themselves online. Step two is to show them you can harness these Google results as your new resume because we show them how many people are searching for students online, colleges, employers, internships. Google is the new resume, Mm -hmm. and they will find your social media accounts. So step two is to teach them what you're doing on Instagram is your new resume. Why don't we go and we give them some tactical tips on how to tell a great story, be their authentic, fun self. And one of the tricks on being light, bright, and polite is, one, before you post, is this light? So is it positive? Is it fun? Number two, is this bright? Is it smart? Think first. And we teach students how somebody got fired with just one tweet. So be smart. Is this downstream going to hurt you? And last, is it polite? Are you proud of it ending up on a billboard for your teachers to see or for the whole world or your future employer to see? And that's when it's light, bright and polite. I've, I've got a, a question as far as how these searches go. Uh, now, I'm not super active on social media. I've got a Facebook account. Uh, my wife has a few other accounts. But on Facebook, for example, and I think on all the, the social media platforms, you have privacy settings that you can set. So if I am posting my recent vacation pictures from the great west and uh and i've got the privacy settings to friends only 
If you were to do a search on me, would you find any of that? Yeah, good question. Um, I would say you need to go and search for yourself. And here's what we do. It turns out that a lot of people, and, and you're, you're a very normal adult, wondering and, and knowing that there's privacy settings. But what's really important is just to go straight to Google. There's something called incognito or private browsing mode, and that basically means for everybody listening to this right now, you, um, there's a new tab that will open a new window, whether you're Chrome or Safari or Firefox, and it will hide all of your cookies so the Internet really kind of doesn't know or the big social networks and Google don't know who you are when you're searching. Uh. And when you do a search under your name, Rich, for that or Trace, if you both were to search for your name uh, in incognito, you'll see your Google results kind of the way the rest of the world sees them. Yes, it localizes them in whatever city that you're in because it wants to give you the world's information easy to find. That's part of their mission. But it will show you on the first three pages of Google um, that information. It will probably find your Facebook, maybe, maybe not. But for most students and most people, it shockingly shows way more than they thought. And in fact, when you go to Google, there's no speculation. It's, wow, how did that get there? And now we're working on things that are productive, and it shifts our mind into not a pastime of using social media and devices, but rather a purpose. How do I build a positive reputation that's congruent with who I am, that's authentic, that, that has these two keys. And this is what I tell students a lot. Colleges really want these two things from you, but they're not saying it. They are begging you. They are about to offer you the dream opportunity and an employer, a college, an internship. They're about to offer you the chance to beat out all these other people. And here's the two things they really, really want from you, but they won't say it. They're looking for someone who is positive online. And they're looking for someone who is full of gratitude online. Because hmm. yeah, they're going to represent their businesses. I mean, they're, if, they're, if, they, if they'll trash themselves online, they, they, won't, they won't mind trashing the, the people they're working for. Exactly. Them down with it. And, exa- and, and I, here's how we explain that to students. And for all the parents that are listening right now, it's really, we don't come at this from a, uh, from a standpoint of telling parents buzzwords. It's really our goal is to motivate parents on how to talk to their kids in a way that moves the needle a little bit so the kid will listen. And maybe if you're a mom out there and you're listening right now and you're thinking, boy, why am I always the bad person? I feel like I'm always, I have the wisdom, but I don't know how to communicate it. I'm always telling my kid what not to do. Well, please take the Google example and go Google your kids. Do it without them in the room first. And second, do it with them. And Google will become the bad person. All these journalists who are writing about all these other people who are getting fired and hired and stuff. Let them tell your story and you become the cheerleader that is simply taking uh, the, the direction and, and, you know, clicking a few of the links. So if you're frustrated as a parent right now, that is a great example on how to stop being the bad person and start being, okay, look at all these, all, all these other people are saying. And it's very normal if, if your kids are upset with you because of the wisdom that you're, you're giving them by taking their devices away. If your kid's We tell people if your kids dislike you once a week, once a month, because you've taken their devices away, then you are a wonderful parent. You are doing what your children need. You are loving and parenting your kids more than worrying about your kids liking you. Amen. Amen. We're talking today on Licensed to Parent with author Josh Oaks about his book, Light, Bright, and Polite for Teens. 
It's a book you can find on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or wherever you buy your books. And incidentally, at the end of the program, we'll tell you a little bit more about Josh's work on the website, smartsocial.com. But we'll be back with more conversation right after this. Stay with us on Licensed to Parent. In today's digital age, there's more access than ever to digital devices. With technology constantly evolving to make our lives easier, is it any wonder that many feel as though they just can't live without it? Digital addiction can be just as chemically debilitating as drugs. Time in front of a screen can drastically affect the life of your child. For starters, your child may choose technology over simple things like playing outside and engaging in exercise, acquiring a job, and gaining life experience. To learn more about how digital addiction can affect your child, visit HelpMyTroubledTeen.org, click on Resources, and look for the article, What is Digital Addiction? Parenting isn't easy. Shepherds Hill Academy wants to equip you with resources for all areas and issues of life. Discover a variety of ebooks, podcasts, links, and more to help you navigate the parenting landscape. Help by TroubledTeen.org. Is your teen's behavior dangerous? Your child's behavior may seem incredibly volatile during the teenage years. Sometimes the signs and symptoms come and go quickly as your child is growing, but other times behaviors are developed and nurtured that will lead to unhealthy choices. Here are a few items to consider. Does your teen refuse to abide by anything you say or request? Is your teen displaying behavior that's a marked change from what has been normal? Has your teen become increasingly disrespectful, dishonest, and disobedient, and openly rebellious? Go to HelpMyTroubledTeen.org and take the quiz, Is My Teen Troubled? While some behavioral issues are minor and best resolved at home, there are warning signs that your teen may need a more structured approach to get them on a healthy, constructive path. And Shepherd's Hill Academy is here to help. Visit HelpMyTroubledTeen.org and click on Is My Teen Troubled? HelpMyTroubledTeen.org. You're listening to Licensed to Parent, the radio outreach of Shepherd's Hill Academy. You'll find us online at LicensedToParent.org. And a reminder that if you've missed some of our past programs, some of the past conversations on a variety of parenting topics, you'll find them on our website, LicensedToParent.org. And we're talking today with Josh Oaks. He's author of Light, Bright, and Polite for Teens. That's a book that uh, helps teens turn their social media presence around and uh, makes it into a positive outworking of their own lives. Uh, and as Josh said just a few moments ago, it enables some of these uh, social media platforms to become your resume. All right, Josh, pick it up on what we were talking about before the break. Give us some ways how parents can help their kids to be uh, genuinely light, bright, and polite online. Yeah, so one of the ways to change the student's perception rather than parents telling them what not to do is to go to Google and do what we talked about in the previous segment and, and really go search for your kids online. It's a little bit of a mind shift for kids, and, and that's what we call an audit. And that shows your kids, whoa, everything I do online is, is interesting, and my, my device has a purpose. Now, what are some ways that kids can be positive online or, or perhaps polite? What we like to do is in middle school, we suggest to districts all over the country, and they, they bring me into their district to do this. We suggest that in middle school, 
you start your child on creating a private portfolio so that they can shine online someday and start to develop something that puts their best activities forward, their accomplishments. Meaning if they play a musical instrument, they can develop a little tiny website that's private. You can go to Google Sites, Squarespace, Wix, whatever you want, privatize it, and start building out a website that your kids build and they decide, okay, I volunteer at church, I do this, I do this, I do this, and put those activities on there. And it's maybe one to four pages of a website. People all over the country are starting to do this. And then when you're ready for your students to be public someday, if you're ready for this, and most parents you'll see in a year are ready because what it's going to do is is powerful, then you can click the publish button. Here's what this does. This teaches your kids that not only what they're doing goes on to Google, but second, they can have an impact on how they're viewed in the world. Their choices, polite or impolite, can be something that they steer, and they have the choice, and they have a purpose online using this extension of their online brand of how people see them. So this little website is kind of cool, and we teach people how to do it at smartsocial.com. It's a very unique uh, perspective that keeps kids safe when you're not around because they have a purpose. They know they're going to their dream school. And then last, when you push publish on a little website, and there's safety parameters, you don't tell people where you live, but most of our information is already online anyways. So when you push publish, slowly that website in high school comes up to the first page so that a dream college, a dream internship, a dream career can find them out of all the other applicants and say, you know, this person is a little self-deprecating, which we love, authentic, and their little website, their portfolio is congruent with the application that we received from them but it's a three-dimensional version of who they are. And I'm really getting to know this person. Let's bring them in for an interview. So building that private portfolio teaches your child that the device they use impacts others and changes their reputation. And subliminally, it tells them how they behave on Snapchat, Instagram, and everything. And even texting will impact their Google results, which teaches them in their own mind to be a little bit more polite. Mm-hmm. One other benefit that I was thinking about, as you mentioned all this, is that it also teaches them not to be as immediate online. You're talking about building a portfolio and then at one point down the line, clicking publish. Purpose and intentionality. Exactly. Everything in in the rest of the world seems to be tweet, send, tweet, Mm -hmm. you know, really fast. So this to me is good because it... It helps them kind of relearn what we used to learn when we had to handwrite letters and mm-hmm. send them out. That's great. It's kind of like the difference between responding to something and, and reacting to something. Uh, you know, you count yeah. to three before you, you know, before you before you click publish. Yeah, <laughs> and I really, I really like that answer. I think there was a lot of wisdom in that, Josh. Uh, I caught uh, one of your clips on the internet the other day, and and uh, you're you're just very up to speed on some of the latest greatest things coming down the pike on social media. Do appreciate that, respect that. Uh, but even after seeing you, I thought to myself, man, if you know, if I were still, you know, parenting my own teen uh, today, uh, I don't think there's any way I could keep up with it all. Uh, I, I'm I'm not sure uh, the kids can keep up with it all. Uh, when does a parent say, you know, I got I've got a first priority, like putting the mask on on a jet plane first before I give it to my kid. I I have to maintain my own sanity and simplify my own life by maybe simplifying juniors first. So 
No smartphones, period, for my kid. Uh, here's a flip phone, and social media uh, use will be very limited and restricted to the desktop in our living room. End of story. Is that an option for parents who just feel like, for whatever reason, maybe they're both uh, two-parent uh, working family that are doing all they can to make ends meet and really don't have the time to give to the degree of attention that uh, you need to, to file this stuff up. Uh, can you respond to that? Yeah, so I've got a, a couple key takeaways. One, I want to teach everybody when they should give your kid a phone. Can I do that? Real sure. Quick? Do you mind? Yeah. All right. So first, parents, you decide when you're the experts, but I want to give you a menu, a guideline, if you will. Our professional suggestions based on speaking to hundreds of thousands of people and some of the biggest PhDs and counselors are behind us in this. Ages zero to 10, your child should not have their own phone. And that means that your kid isn't directly communicating with anyone. But 10 to 13, if they must have a phone, please consider starting with a flip phone. We've got all kinds of videos all over the web, and law enforcement use our techniques. Flip phones are a good way to start your kid on SMS or text and phone calls, which children hate, but they're very good for them. 13 years old is the time for really for a, a cell phone safety, a smartphone safety contract. And that's where really before you give them the device, which is the next year, then they know who pays for it, what could be lost for if it, if it gets lost, who pays for it, and, and, and all that stuff. And then age 14 is time for a smartphone. Kids hate this, but they can stay kids a little bit longer when you keep them off of the, the smartphone. And we suggest at age 14 a smartphone without social media apps. Now, you could wait longer, but let's give them training wheels, a smartphone without the apps installed, and then age 15 is a smartphone with social media apps installed. But one of the things that's going to protect people is being on every app that your kids are on, even if you're not interested in Snapchat. Have a Snapchat account, parent. Put your child first. Put your interest in the app second. Meaning, oh, I don't have time for this. Your kids will learn from you, and they'll behave differently on there when they see how their dad's wisdom And for every parent that's listening to this right now, my kid is yelling at me or upset at me that I'm the worst parent because (laughs) they're 11 and all their friends have it. You know, our goal is that your your student is more wise and and no student ever grew up and said, I I still dislike my parents. I'm 25 now. I dislike that they wouldn't give you that advice. They're going to thank you for putting rules and regulations in in their life. In fact, most students are begging, please, Tell me what I can't do because I don't know how to discern at the age of 13. My friends are doing it, and I just follow them like sheep. So parents, please feel free. Feel good about if your kids dislike you, you're parenting them because you're putting wisdom (laughs) around screen time in their life. You don't have to give them a phone, but we do say wait until 14 years old before your kid gets a smartphone. Do not let them go to sleep with it. Please wait. You can wait longer. But do not give them a smartphone until at least that age. Our guest today on Licensed to Parent has been Josh Oaks. Josh is author of a book called Light, Bright, and Polite for Teens. You'll find it on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or wherever you buy your books. And you can learn more about Josh's work online at smartsocial.com. Josh Oaks, thanks so much for taking time to be with us on Licensed to Parent. Thank you very much. Thanks, everybody. And keep up the great work, Josh. And you can find out more about the work we do by going to our website, LicensedToParent.org. Remember that Licensed to Parent is an outreach of the Ministry of Shepherds Hill Academy, a year-long Christ-centered residential program for teens in crisis. Now, you can help the work here continue by supporting the Shepherds Hill Scholarship Fund. 
Your tax-deductible gift will go directly to helping families who can't afford residential care get the help they need for a teen who may be one step away from the grave or from jail. So won't you help today? You can give securely online when you visit LicensedToParent.org and click the Donate button. Again, LicensedToParent.org. Our guest coordinator on License to Parent is Daniel Fazina. Our technical producer is Carl Peets. For Trace Embry, I'm Rich Rosl, inviting you to tell a fellow parent about us and then join us again next time to renew your License to Parent. And remember, folks, if you don't train your children, somebody else will. God bless you. See you next time.